Loving Liberty Network is excited to present Ask an Immigrant, a weekly radio show by Lydia Wallace-Nuttall and immigrants from all over the world who share their personal stories as to why they came to America. Lydia is the author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution, and an executive board member for We the Kids, with the mission to put God back into America's history and to inspire kids to value liberty and our United States Constitution and to be proud to be Americans. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, or evening, or whatever it is, what time it is that you're listening to this podcast. I'm Lydia Nuttall. This is Ask an Immigrant. We're so happy to have you joining us. And today we have a special guest that we're interviewing. His name is David Shestokas. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, David. You can correct me if you need. Perfect, Lydia. Uh, that was that was without, without trouble, although... I recently, of course, was a candidate for attorney general here in Illinois, and when I was campaigning to help people with that, uh, I referred to something from when I was a child, because I used to do magic shows when I was a child, and we'd open the magic show with Hocus Pocus, the Great Shistokus. Uh, and so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Hocus Pocus, the Great Shistokus. Yeah, that helps people, you know, so. Yeah. Well, that is very fun. So magic was your thing when you were younger, yeah? Well, yeah. I, I think all kids, you know, are fascinated with magic at some point, you know. Or it's so true. They're, they're either magic or dinosaurs or uh, yeah, making um, sulfur smell like rotten eggs. You know, kids <laughs> are fascinated with all kinds of stuff, you know. So magic, magic was among those, so. Well, that is a great way to help me remember your last name and everyone else. So, Dave, why don't you tell, give us a little bit of your background, uh, because this will share, this will let us know why I wanted you on Ask an Immigrant, because Dave sure. himself is not an immigrant, but his grandparents are, and David has been very um, involved in a special kind of work that we'll get into also of why we have him on Ask an Immigrant. Sure, Lydia. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, all my grandparents, all of them are uh, from Lithuania, uh, various locations from Lithuania. Both my mom's um, parents uh, died before I was born, so I've, I've never known them. But my, uh, my dad's parents, uh, I, I knew my dad's dad very well. And then his, his mom, my grandmother, uh, Barbara Shostokas, um, I grew very, very close to over the course of, uh, over the course of her life. And so they were all from Lithuania, and we certainly have um, interesting stories involving a number of them. But, uh, of course, I knew Barbara uh, Shostokas the best, and um, she's the one that really inspired my love of America that led me to write a couple of books, one about the Constitution, one about the Declaration of Independence. And I'm, uh, I'm an attorney by training, and in the early 90s, as a result of all those kinds of connections, I was among uh, what they call the uh, First World Congress of Lithuanian Lawyers, um, folks of Lithuanian heritage that went back to Lithuania to help them um, with um, installing the rule of law and writing their constitution in the uh, aftermath of the fall of the Soviet Union. So um, we've got uh, some. It, it was a very exciting time because it, not very often do you have the opportunity to be sort of like a Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or James Madison, you know, to be there at the creation of a 
of a new country because they'd been uh, three generations under under communism at that point, some seventy odd years, and so it was an um, exciting thing. And of course, it was because of my connections and with Barbara Shostokas, who's the the grandparent among the four that I knew the best. Well, and, that's, that uh, so, is beautiful. And yeah, uh, wow. Um, if you were here, I'd want to touch you and go, yes, a modern day Thomas Jefferson. That is pretty <laughs> fabulous to think that you were influential along with your grandmother to help uh, formulate the Constitution, yeah, for the people of Lithuania after they were no longer under communist rule. I think that's just, that's just incredible. Well, I don't, I don't want to get carried away with my personal role. Uh, there was about 100, <laughs> uh, you know, there was, uh, there was um, attorneys from uh, Canada and uh, Australia and uh, around, the, around the world, and basically from the English-speaking countries of the world who have the kind of um, historical, historical connections to um, English common law that, uh, that we do. And, and we came from around the world and um, tried to uh, help them. It's very interesting because, of course, three, there was people over in Lithuania that you know carried the title of lawyer. But if you think about it for a moment, one of the things, one of the prime things that lawyers do is help figure out who owns what. You know, they kind of protect property and and mm-hmm. things beyond beyond that. But in in a, in a world where uh, communism is the uh, is the main function of the, is the main organization of the government. Well, the government owns everything, so there's not much yeah. for lawyers to do in that kind of circumstance outside of uh, criminal law, uh, outside of uh, you know, sort of uh, helping uh, police society from a uh, from a criminal standpoint, either prosecution or or defense. And so, in terms of installing the rule of law, I was uh, personally involved with some of the things related to restoring um, land. To the families from whom it, the communists had expropriated, they'd taken their farms away, and a variety of things. I've got a I've got a good friend here whose uh, whose parents were uh, were Lithuanian immigrants. He's only one generation removed, and uh, they recovered 25 acres of their uh, farmland that was uh, had been taken by the communists. And mm. so restoring uh, restoring those kinds of things was something that I was involved in uh, in uh, in part of that project and. Part of that was that part of the challenge of that was making sure that the, the land got to the rightful heirs of the people, as opposed to seeing to it that the government bureaucrats, who, by the way, hadn't grown up as communists, right, making sure that the government bureaucrats didn't get their little hands on the land that was being taken away from the government and given back to people. It was a fairly complex project. I would um, say because uh, well, Lithuania is not that big of a country. I'm looking at it right now on the globe. Lithuania, to everyone else, uh, it's in, uh, it's north of Poland, Belarus, um, east of Russia, and um, not east, west of Russia, the east west, of the Baltic Sea. Of yeah, yeah. The yeah, east, east of the Baltic so Sea. So it yeah. borders the Baltic Sea, which is underneath um, Sweden and Finland. Um, above Germany. So it's about the size of, I'm looking for a state that's kind of similar um, in size. Well, the size. population is close to, close to 4 million. 4 million. Okay, so it's about the size of South Carolina. I'm looking at South there you go. Carolina. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah, South Carolina in size. So, but still, if you think of all the South people who live in South Carolina having all their their lands, their farms, their factories, their stores, etc., taken over by the ruling 
uh, people in power in government, uh, and now you own nothing because the government owns it all, and the government tells you how to run it and what to do and and what to plant and how to manufacture and whatever. Uh, and, and then uh, all those people, then yeah, then <laughs> if it was taken over, and and uh, it was how long had the Communist Party been in power Basically, in Lithuania? Much, uh, in excess of seventy years. Seven um, years. Okay, so seventy. Yeah, three generations. Yeah. Uh, so then, who remembers what? I mean, the the previous owners, your great grandparents, uh, or grandparents, may have yeah. been deceased, and so you know, yeah. Oh my, what what that would have been a Herculean effort on your and everyone else's part to to try to iron that out. But thank you uh, for doing that because I would want someone like you to help me regain my family property, uh, if it had been taken away, taken over by the, yeah, they call the it government ex- expropriation or nationalism or nationalized, you know, it was either expropriated or nationalized. And these are devastating things, of course, for an economy, for a country. And, and by the way, it is a brutal activity, um, when the, uh, when the, when the government tries to do that. And I'm, when we get into talking about my grandmother Barbara, uh, well, we'll talk about some of the brutality that was involved in that um, in that process of um, going from uh, essentially a free market and free people to a, to a communist uh, society. I don't know if that's the right. Yeah, well, why don't? Hey, we're on the subject. We can dive into that right now if you would like. We can always go backward and forward and whatever, however okay. we want. But while we're on the topic, then how did? that happen? How do you go? Because, okay, so right right now, for instance, I've had my own business. Uh, I recently uh, let that go to um, some others to take uh, care of, but um, uh, I have my own home. I have my own land. So paint a picture for me. How would I end well, up losing that? They had a farm. Uh, she was one of um, 11 children. Um, a couple, um, a couple were religious. Um, she had sisters. This sounds redundant to say it this way, but she had sisters that were nuns. Um, one of her brothers was a priest, <laughs> another was a, uh, another was a school teacher, and then uh, the other other brothers pretty much ran the family farm. Uh, and there were there were eleven of them. And uh, in the uh, in the early uh, early days of the uh, communist uh, takeover. Because the communists invaded, you know, they they had the revolution in Russia in 1917, and subsequent to that, uh, they started, uh, of course, picking off uh, these other uh, smaller uh, smaller countries around them, including Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. Uh, they made their intrusions into Poland. Some of these went back and forth uh, during World War II between uh, the Germans and the Russians, but the the brutality of the Russians was uh, impacted in in the early teens of the, um, of the 20th century. And, um, she had a family farm that was, um, close to, um, one of the major towns, their, uh, major cities, if you will, uh, Kaunas. And, um, ultimately, um, because of all the horrible things that were going on, she was 15 years old and uh, her family, she was the youngest of the 11 and her family put her on a, put her on a boat, um, to, um, some extended family in Boston. Um, and, um, in the, uh, in the aftermath, not long after, um, for that they had put my grandmother on the boat to uh, Boston, ultimately eight of her brothers and sisters were slaughtered by the communists. Oh. Why? That is Why? how, that is how they expropriated the property. They oh, were, kill the they, owners they, in they, essence. 
Yeah. That's and and any of the rightful heirs. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, and, and well, and of course, they did away with the folks that were religious. You know, they, they did away with the priests and the, and the two nuns. Meaning um, they did kill. away with, yes. murder. Oh. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and the um, and of course the uh, school teacher, because they didn't want anybody uh, teaching anything that was outside of uh, outside of communist doctrine, uh, and so um, the school teacher had to go. Uh, so anybody that was either educated uh, in business or uh, involved in uh, religion had to go, and um, they ultimately did. Uh, two, another brother and another sister actually did uh, did make it here. To America, and ultimately they would wind up uh, reuniting uh, in Chicago, uh, which is where um, my grandmother met my grandfather uh, in Chicago. And so, um, but uh, they had, she had some like aunts and uncles from extended family. I'm not exactly sure of the details. Originally in Boston, and then um, then there was another um, another aunt um, in the Chicago area, and she wound up uh, and she wound up in Chicago where she met my grandfather. Um, who himself, by the way, um, John Shostokas, was um, in his in his early twenties, and the Russian invaders. The, among the other things that they did was uh, the young men. Uh, they would forcibly uh, draft them, if you will, into uh, service into the Russian army, and uh, that was uh, that was not a pleasant experience because, of course, the, the, any of the non-Russians in the Russian army were treated pretty much like slaves. For all practical purposes, and so um, my grandfather, to avoid that fate, um, he um, ultimately escaped from uh, from Lithuania. He wound up originally in Pennsylvania, where he was uh, participated in a whole lot of Lithuanians. Wound up in Pennsylvania, working in the coal mines. Then he wound up working on a farm in Wisconsin, and uh, ultimately um, opened um, opened a store in Chicago on the South Side, where. Uh, he uh, was a butcher, and he was also uh, he was also a barber, and then he became a tavern owner. And from oh, wow. uh, being a from being a tavern owner, they uh, he my grandfather spoke about I think it was seven languages. Uh, and wow. So uh, he was among the few people uh, in the Lithuanian community in Chicago that could uh, could speak English. And so he, when he ran his business, uh, he was buying beer for uh, for his tavern. And then he would um, put beer in his trunk and sell it to the other um, the other Lithuanian tavern owners around. <laughs> they couldn't speak English, uh, and so um, so so he was like a bridge between the um, between the beer producers, ultimately um, the Schlitz Brewing Company in Milwaukee, and uh, we wound up uh, being in the beer business, beer distribution business for sixty some years. Uh, I actually literally grew up in a beer truck. Um, and, uh, <laughs> long before long before I was a lawyer, I was a beer guy. And uh, sometimes okay. I, yeah, I start that out with I started without people. I know a lot of people don't like lawyers, but everybody likes the beer guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that's uh, a, what a great example of how much liberty is here in America that your grandfather could come to Pennsylvania and start out his American life as a coal miner and then have the freedom to leave that and Pennsylvania go to an entirely different state and of his own free will and choice be able to then uh what was he then in well he he actually worked on a farm in Wisconsin a farm okay a farm 
And okay. I think that's and where he learned his skills that be, allowed him to become a butcher. Okay. Because he would have obviously seen farm animals being used yeah. for food, and you yeah. have to, you know, take care of them and, and take care of the meat in order to feed a family, and then have the freedom and liberty to leave Wisconsin, the farm life there, and he keeps moving up with whatever he starts, whatever opportunities open up for him, uh, he sees yeah. and goes, okay, now I want to go to Chicago. Um, yeah, the beer, uh, awesome that he had the liberty to choose that, and um, and, and, you and know now what, he's... Uh, Lydia, there's a, there's a cautionary tale in in my grandfather's success story, uh, the success, he ultimately started distributing beer out of the trunk of his car to other Lithuanian uh, tavern owners. If somebody were today to put beer in the trunk of their car and drive from tavern to tavern or sports bar to sports bar or whatever, it wouldn't be long before they were arrested. Uh, because because... Uh, it was no license. Uh, to do that, you know, you need you got to have a license for everything. You got to have mm -hmm. uh, particular alcohol being a regulated product. You have to have uh, certain other kinds of taxes that you have to pay and other paperwork to file and et cetera. So he just put it in his trunk and went went door to door, <laughs> you know, uh, which is a, the things that they all the time when they say that the government is doing things to protect us, they are doing things that restrict liberty. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and if and my grandfather's story is a story that could not happen in America today. This is um, and he started that business. It lasted sixty years. It was good for my uh, my my dad for all his life. I I grew up in it. Um, I literally grew up like I said on a beer truck. There is not a. I probably by the time I was in my mid twenties, I've been in two thousand bars around Chicago. Uh, wow. And, and 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 you know what that 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 has such had I think such a grand effect on my life because I I learned long ago um, because beer crosses every demographic uh, whether it's age <laughs> so or true. gender or uh, you know race anything and growing up on a beer truck is the best way to understand that there is no uh, brown or black or yellow or red or whatever there's only green. Uh, there's only the business, you know, and uh, you, everybody does economics together. I, I, I literally, because because of that circumstance, literally grew up cold blind because I was going everywhere, you know. I, there was yeah. no there was no borders. There's no uh, uh, there's no uh, like ghettoization of my life. I I, I was yeah. in the, I was where the black folks were. I was where the Latino folks were. Where the white where the Lithuanians were. The Poles were the you know the Irish. It didn't matter. Because everybody drinks beer. Yeah. <laughs> that and it was an is an interesting life. point. Yeah. Wow. Well. And that's part. And that's part of the immigrant story too. Now, my grandmother is still, you know, um, a, a, a separate, uh, separate issue altogether. Uh, in a, in a couple of, in a couple of ways. What was interesting about uh, both of them when they when they got here? Like I said, my grandfather spoke nine languages. My grandmother. Uh, really only spoke, I think it was seven. I, I lost track now, but uh, she, she was uh, Lithuanian. No, no, she was, she was Lithuanian. I her, okay. Lithuanian was her, was her language. Uh, and then, um, but at my, when my father was born and he started going to, he started going to school here. She demanded uh, that as soon as my dad was going to school, that they and only spoke English at home because she really, really wanted to be American. 
Uh, and she was so happy. She knew what had happened to her family. She was so thrilled to be here. She was actually born in September, but because of her appreciation here, her she made us celebrate her birthday on the 4th of July oh. because that was the anniversary of her citizenship. That was when she was, you know, her naturalization ceremony took place on the 4th of July. And oh that's when she goodness. always told us that's when she considered herself to have been born is when she became an American citizen. Wow. And uh, this is, I mean, yeah, right. No, and really next to no formal education for my grandma. You know, um, like I said, she they shipped her out of Lithuania when she was 15 uh, and uh, started making her way in, in Boston and uh, then, then Chicago. And uh, as an aside, um, there, I'm sure many people are familiar with a, a, a book um, from what they call the muckraker in that area by the name of uh, The Jungle by a fellow by the name of Upton Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Um, and Upton Sinclair... <clears throat> Wrote, the, wrote this book called The Jungle, and it centered upon what he yeah, described as these horrible abuses of both the uh, both the workers and the production in the uh, meatpacking uh, facilities in Chicago when it was known as the hog butcher to the world. And uh, but because of Sinclair's book and uh, what he talked and what he talked about about the filthy working conditions and the miserable way they treated the workers and whatnot, that was the um, that was the source for the creation of the uh, Food and Drug Administration. For the beginning of the FDA, because of uh, Sinclair's, uh, yeah, because Sinclair's supposed Sinclair, yeah, because of his supposed exposure of this horrible, horrible situation in Chicago when it came to that. My grandmother was among the Lithuanian workers that worked in the meatpacking plants here in Chicago, and I talked to her because while I was in high school, they, you know, the book was a regular reading of there and they're talking about the Lithuanian immigrants and the folks that are working in the uh, in the meatpacking plants there and I said grandma I said this is this is what they're telling us and I, re- I would read her a passage or two and grandma says it's a lie she said it wasn't true she said there was nothing she worked in the bacon room and she said where every, they made everybody wear hairnets they made everything sure everything was clean they treated us extraordinarily well uh, we were paid as well or better than anybody around uh, the um, the working conditions were good because they they tried they tried to keep everything clean because they were shipping meat to the meat to the country. She says Upton Sinclair was a liar, mm. uh, and and he wrote about and and you know so you got and she she was among the people he was supposedly writing about and he said and she and she's telling me it was not the of the of the passages I read to her and I told her about the discussions that we were having in school and she said none of it was true. Wow, that is amazing because I read, I'd heard of The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Uh, Somehow I did not read it in high school, but I read it as a grown-up, as a mother um, Mm -hmm. later on in my life. And I was appalled by the, the horrible, I mean, it made the, he made the, my heart went out to the worker, the immigrant workers that he was describing in these horrible, yes. abusive circumstances where uh, meat packing industry uh, were owned by the same people that owned most of the city of Chicago, the banks, the whatever, et cetera, mm-hmm. and that they just totally uh, took advantage of the immigrants 
uh, as workers and the the circum the working conditions were deplorable the the, yes. the they they would uh, enable and I'll never forget reading this cuz my heart just got started pounding ferociously cuz I mean like that is so horrible um that they would uh, the real estate was even owned by the same kind of people who would then yeah. Uh, have the immigrants buy into a home and the immigrants would often pool their resources with other family members so at least they could have a home to live in. And they're so excited because they finally get to own their own home in America. Woohoo! You know, it didn't happen where they came from. It was communist-owned, government-owned, and so they get to own their own home. But then they did something to make it so that they ultimately could not even afford to keep making the payments and so, you know, after a certain amount of years, and then they'd repossess the house and then sell it to the next unsuspecting uh, gullible immigrant, you know, in, in their eyes. And they just kept, you know, they'd be destitute now because now they don't have a home. And it was just it, the whole book at the end of it, how yeah. it made me feel was it like there's a it was very pro we want socialism we want right in order for this wickedness to stop this exploitation of immigrants to stop we have to let government get control of of all of this um so it was an advocate for socialism which we we know you and i know socialism as soon as you let government take more and more control like you just said your your grandfather would have never been able to uh do what he did selling beer out of the trunk of his car because now we have no, the fda we have right. yeah so so in essence the very thing that we're the head direction that we're heading in america towards socialism marxism etc is heading to the next step is communism, which is exactly what your grandmother was shipped off to America to avoid, because communism means the ultimate total uh, 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 rule and reign. Uh, you know, you have no property rights, you have no, the business that you used to own is no longer yours, it's no longer under your control, it's under our control as a communist party, um, etc. Yeah, et but et if you resist it, they kill you. Yeah, and so, yeah, so... So it's fascinating then, what I'm getting from you is this book that I read that sold me even on socialism, even though I know socialism is horribly wrong. But, you know, I thought, huh, well, there's a point then to maybe socialism could be good, uh, you know, when you're, you're, uh, you're being exploited as a worker. But what you're saying is your grandmother said, wait a minute, he's writing about me, about my people. I actually did the work in the meat factories, etc., that he's talking about, and it was not like that at all, all a bunch of lies. And I'm like, oh, wow, I guess we really lesson to me as an American is be careful with what I choose to believe that just because it's in a book, just because a news person tells me just because my teacher tells me it doesn't necessarily mean it's true, I need to do my due homework. And uh, you know, had Upton interviewed your grandmother, maybe he would not have written that book at all because obviously... No, he had an agenda. He had yeah, an agenda. there you go. Uh, yeah. He had an agenda, and he told the story to meet the agenda that he was, he was doing. And, and, that's, and that's true with, you know, just about any writing. So you have to sort yeah. it out what you believe. I've, I've written a couple of books, and one, one, one's called, you know, Creating the Declaration of Independence. And yeah, I do have an agenda in that book uh, when I talk about the, um, I, it's about the month before the declaration is issued, and it follows Richard Henry Lee and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson 
in the month before. But it does. It talks about Richard Henry Lee and his wife getting sick, and Thomas Jefferson uh, not really wanting to write the Declaration, and John Adams worrying about the fact that the other guys in Congress don't like him. Yeah, there's an agenda to tell people that these folks are not bronze and marble statues. They were actual living, breathing human beings that had so. There's always a, there's always an agenda with any author, uh, and so I, you have to look behind it and try and sort out what's what's true. Uh, certainly, um, I, everything I've got in my books is all uh, comes out of the uh, archives at the Library of Congress. Uh, you know, I can uh, discernibly uh, show where, where where it all comes from, the uh, notes from the Continental Congress, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, no, I don't think anybody in Congress, when they hold hearings on Upton Sinclair's book, ever talked to my grandma. You know, they talked <laughs> obviously often. not. Obviously yeah, not. Well, uh, and that's well, how we well, wound up with the FDA, and the old, mm. and that was the precursor to the alphabet soup that we live with now, alphabet soup of government agencies uh, that um, you know, impinge upon our lives in so many ways, and we've become. Not a society of liberty, but a society of permission. Now, to do what my mm. grandfather did, he would have to go some somebody in government someplace and ask permission. And to do it in the way he wanted to, they would have told him no. Yeah. So that's uh, you know we we live in there's a there's a there's a great book. Um, I'm trying to think. I I know the author too. It's called The Permission Society, and it talks all about that. Uh, um, and why that why the author escapes me at the moment, but. Uh, but he said, oh, Timothy Sandifer, uh, Tim Sandifer, he works for Heritage, a great guy. And um, it, his book is called The, um, uh, the Permission Society. And that's what, that's what we've become. And that's a short oh, step that's sad. from the other circumstances. Uh, so, so yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, will you tell us then, you did mention that you are the author of Creating the Declaration of Independence. Dave, yes. Do you go by Dave or David? Sh- sh- uh, on the book, it says David. You know, most people in okay. my life call me Dave. Dave, okay. Uh, yeah. So remember, but Hocus Pocus, Dave Shestokas, S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S, is how you pronounce it. And you're also the author of Constitutional Soundbites. Uh, Dave used yes. to have his own radio show. Um, and from the things he spoke, he talked about from years and years and years, how many years of the radio show? We, I did that for about five years, five years. Then he's taken his favorites, his favorite sound bites about the constitution from that show and put it into a book as well. Can you let our listeners as well as me know where we can purchase, where we can find constitutional sound bites? Yeah, constitutional sound bites creating the Declaration of Independence. They're both on uh, both on Amazon, along with Consulus Informativas Constitucionales, which is the only book in Spanish about the founding documents of the United States. Oh, there did you no hear that, everyone? In- it's in Spanish. So those of you that would like to read more about our Constitution in Spanish by Dave Shostokas, then can you repeat that slower? The name of yes, the book. Capsulus Informativas. Constitucionales, solo libro en todo mundo uh, sobre uh, documentos fundadores de Estados Unidos. Uh, it's the only book in the whole world in Spanish about the founding documents of the United States. Isn't Absolutely. that amazing? And we have him, the author, on the show. That's who we've been listening to. Dave Shestokas, thank you so much, Dave, for enlightening us regarding your Lithuanian grandparents. 
the story of your grandmother uh, and also you now as uh, of Lithuanian descent and how you helped Lithuania regain, the citizens regain their properties that were taken away when the Communist Party took over, when they invaded Lithuania. Um, and, that is a and, that's my, and that's because of my, and that's because of, and it's all because of my grandmother Barbara's appreciation and love of America. That's where it comes from. You and, know? She's and she's the one that that's our, our family, you know. And she's the one that uh, made her everyone celebrate her birthday on the Fourth of July because that's when she became an American citizen. Yeah, yeah, she's that's the, one. the one. That's Barbara. Oh, so love it. And in fact, the first book is in fact dedicated to her. So. Aww. That's beautiful. What an awesome story. Thank you, Dave, for being on Ask an Immigrant. I love what I've learned uh, from the stories you were able to share, these beautiful true stories of your own heritage. And, um, and especially thank you for the work that you've done for the Lithuanian people as well as for us in America and uh, being an author of Constitutional Soundbites and creating the Declaration of Independence. Um, Love the fact that you. Thank you so were, much. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much carry on with the. Well. Yeah, you're so welcome. Carry on with the great work you're doing, David. I really do admire you and appreciate your time and your beautiful story. So, everyone else who's listening, uh, if you or one of your family members is an immigrant or a friend, etc., who is an immigrant to America and would like to share your story on Ask an Immigrant, you can contact me at Lydia at lovingliberty.net that's l-y-d-i-a at lovingliberty.net now go forth and do your part to preserve liberty in your life